Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, before we get the show started, I wanted to let you know we are giving away a bunch of brand new Black Magic gear. Yeah, cameras, switchers, DaVinci Resolve licenses, a bunch of awesome stuff. So stay tuned to learn how you can enter to win free gear from Black Magic. And we're going to tell you all about it later on in this episode. Now cue the music. Hey guys, Happy New Year and welcome to Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, storytelling, and directing. I'm Oren Kaplan. And I'm Matt Enlow. Today we've got a panel of three esteemed directors joining us from previous episodes. We've got Matt Pollock, Eric Kisek, and Liz Manischel, where we're going to be talking mostly about auditioning and casting today. But it's really great to get three different directors with three relatively different walks of life all weighing in on something that, you know, it's one of the most important things about directing. I think it's a great episode for directors and actors this time around as well. So stay tuned. Yeah. And we will not be doing a catch up this week because there is so much good stuff from all these other directors. And we talked about it a little bit in the end. So we'll catch up next week. Okay, well, hey, guys. Hey, Matt. Hey, Oren. How's it going? We have, uh, we have a lot of people here. Yeah, it's a new year, and we decided to have a panel of past, like our three favorite directors from the Aww. past. None of them were available. <laughs> so we have, uh, what, just what, kidding. What, no, what we, did there. we love all of them. But so today we have Liz Manischel, Eric Kissack, and Matt Pollock, who are three very awesome directors. Everyone really liked your guys' episodes, and you guys all kind of do different things. Which I think is cool because we can talk about some directing things and get hopefully different perspectives on them. Yeah, I feel like you guys are a really great array of the different perspectives we Mm. typically have on the show. So Yeah, so just a reminder, Liz directed a movie, Bread and Butter, that just came out and is in the midst of casting her next feature. Eric Kisak is an editor turned director. He's directing a bunch of commercials. He had... A Vimeo staff pick short that kind of got him on everyone's minds, but he's also edited America's number one comedy, right? That's right. Stepdad? Close. Stepdaddy. Daddy's home. Daddy's Daddy's home. 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 And a bunch of other things. Bruno, role models, the dictator. Movies you've heard of. Yeah. 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 But directing a ton lately, too. And then we have Matt Pollock, famously directed over 500 videos for College Humor. Yeah. And then quit directing. Quit directing. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. And now, yeah, went and now is directing a bunch of commercials and music videos and things. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, welcome, guys. Good Thanks for having, Thanks us. for having us. Thanks. How's your New Year, guys? Horrible. So good. Horrible. Oh no. So great. Oh shoot. Both answers. I feel like mine hasn't started yet. Do you think there that is? That makes like, me feel better, actually. Yeah. I feel like waiting for it to yeah. start. It hasn't started. Well, I mean, I, you know, there's always this idea of like a seasonality for like Hollywood mm-hmm. directing work, but I find that I'm always like the most busy 
at the times when every when you're not supposed to be busy, mm-hmm. like between Thanksgiving and New Year's. Right. And I wonder if it's because maybe I work on a lot of lower budget things or something. And it's like the time that people are really kind of trying to take advantage of people being available or something. But, do but you, you, also, feel you, that? you do a lot of like kind of branded content stuff, right? And I feel like that's like people are trying to blow their budgets by the end of the year. <laughs> yeah, that's actually yeah. 100% true. Yeah. Ad agencies and things like that, they just go, wait a minute, we have this money, we need to spend it on We've something. We've got $60,000 so to spend. Do yeah. something. Uh, we'll just put someone in. It'll be funny. It'll be great. Yeah. Yeah. I've had a couple of those, and it was it was awesome. In December, I had like three scripts due. They gave us the job on like December 22nd, and they wanted them by the 25th of December. Wow. Like, Merry Christmas. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Yeah, I hate the holidays in general, um, but <laughs> but also because no one's productive. Like I can't, I don't get any emails. I can't send any emails, and I just sit there like a little like potato on the couch. January first was the best day of the year because it means things are in business again, and I get really excited. I guess we're all a little bit different in how we get work and stuff. But I'm always like looking forward to the winter because I'm like, oh, I'm going to have two uninterrupted weeks. I'm going to like work out the outline for my feature. I'm going to just get some real, make some real headway. And then it's just like the worst time of the year. Every year I've been working on something, scrambling to get it done. Mm -hmm. Again, it's like, oh, it needs to, you know, be online by January 1st or it's for the Super Bowl or whatever it is. Well, (laughs) or it's for the Super Bowl. You know, (laughs) or it's Sundance wants it. Sundance (laughs) called. So, Oren, you're starting a big new project, right? You're, yeah. You're really, you're you're neck deep in it. And one of the things that you've been talking about a lot lately is casting and, and how you act when you're auditioning people. So I thought that could be a great thing to talk about. Yeah, that's a great idea. Great topic you came up with. <laughs> that came up with. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I guess I've been kind of directing and auditioning actors for enough time now that I'm just now, like years into it, starting to kind of get comfortable in like mm. the audition room. But lately, these the last couple of weeks, I've been auditioning actors and there's been producers, showrunners and the casting directors all in the room. So there's like eight of us. So I almost feel like I'm being auditioned on how I direct actors yeah. <laughs> more so than how the actors are doing. And so I'm wondering if you guys have any like tips or tricks or something you just tell an actor when they audition mm-hmm. just to see them do something different or like what do you guys have strategies in, in auditioning people and I have a lot of angst and I have a lot of questions that maybe you guys can answer. So let me just say a couple of things first and then you guys can talk. One of the things that I always get really stressed out about is I feel like I come up with like one thing to say, you know, mm-hmm. where I'm like, okay, that was great. But maybe for the second half, tries as it, it, as if you're a non-English speaker. That's a, I would never say that, but that's just an right. example. Yeah. Or like you're but drunk. That, that's something. your standard direction for everyone well, who comes in. Basically. Well, it, it becomes, it's not like for, it's not like for every different job but for like one job I'll, I'll like hone in on the something you know we're doing it to say it's commercial and like you know 30 seconds and so it's like at second 25 everyone naturally thinks one thing but it's like actually we want something else so i say that one thing but then i get very self-conscious about those eight people in the room because mm-hmm. i say the exact same thing to every single person and it's a good thing to say and it's like the right thing to say but but i'm like trying to find little variations because i'm like oh god i sound like that broken record yeah. you know and it's probably yeah. that's a very stupid thought but i can't get it out of my head that's one thing and the other thing is, I just get really depressed during casting because you oh. have this, you have this idea. What? I uh, I want to vomit. Completely. No, it's yeah. magic. Well, this, yeah. I want to hear you talk. So, so but let me just finish. But so, but the idea being that you have this idea in your head of of like this thing's gonna be great, and then maybe one out of 
20 people comes in and, and, it, and it's great, but the weight of those other 19 people just starts weighing me down and I start thinking that it's total shit by the I, end of it. I always say that's Aww. the worst version of the thing you're trying to make. Right, mm-hmm. like no one's been directed. Right, like no one has a true understanding of the scene that they're trying to do. So it's just coming in totally unsculpted. It's raw clay. I I always just want to die afterwards. Yeah. Like I, then, I I cancel plans if I'm auditioning someone. That's right. that's true. Yeah, yeah. And then the th- and then the, th- the only the third thing I'll say is, oftentimes this is something that always happens. Oftentimes there's someone that I bring in that I want to be great because I know that they're great, and then they're not great, and then I feel like. I've I've failed in some way. Liz is looking at me. You're much so you're much, you're much less neurotic than I am. No, I'm tell. so neurotic. Oh, this is the only place where I feel happy is the casting so, room. So these are the these are my anxieties. I just threw them out to you. So, so Man, deal with I'm them. so happy you said all those. <laughs> you could Liz, you could go ahead, but I am like almost 100 percent on the same page as nice. you. I, I'm wondering what what the difference is between my experience and yours. Like what the core of it is, because when I'm in the casting room, I think it's magic. I genuinely think it's the only magical time that I have making a movie, other than when you can say I've made a movie. I think the main issue is that when I go into a casting room, I used to be a freelance casting director and now I just cast stuff that I write. I don't actually have an idea of the physical image of who the character is. So that might help. I don't know if people are coming in with that kind of preconception. But other than that, there's a moment in an audition where something happens and everyone's in the room and the performance is amazing and everyone in the room knows it and no one has to say anything and yes, you get that on set, but something so raw about it when you're in the casting room that I find that incredibly exciting. It's almost like reminding you about the escapism and the fantasy and the magic of movie making just in that room. But it's unprocessed, which I love. So I have a question for you, Liz, which is genre wise, are you usually auditioning dramatic roles, comedic roles? Well, if it's for me, it's usually wordy, neurotic romantic comedies okay so they're usually i'm looking for something very natural i'm not and i'm usually the one controlling the finances Mm -hmm. so it's really all based off of my instinct Mm -hmm. but when i've cast for other people i know what you're talking about because it can get frustrating when i'm in the passenger seat not saying that you're in the passenger seat but i i experience that when i'm in the passenger seat Mm -hmm. for some reason but it exhibits only in frustration at the director, when I'm the <laughs> casting director, not at the talents. I guess I guess I would just specify and say that that this this phenomenon seems specific to comedy because it's it's just seems so hard to be genuinely funny in yeah. that room when, especially when you're doing commercial stuff, like it's like the same thirty seconds over and over again. Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like I'm putting on a show a little bit, like what you mentioned, and I definitely feel I feel like someone's watching and judging me. When I don't, that's like not the point. We're supposed to be watching and judging other people. But yeah. when I'm in a casting with just like a casting director and maybe a producer of mine, it's fine. It's I'm doing what I'm doing. Everything's fine. But once there's like an agency there, it's just like immediately, you know, what I like to do is I'll have a an actor perform how they want. And then I'll give them some sort of direction into what I think it should be, see how they go. And then usually I'll give them either a mister, uh, a redirect or have them go like really big or really small, depending on what they're doing. Because I like to see if they can go big, even right. if I don't yeah. want mm-hmm. them to. It just shows that they're capable of it. Or that um, they listen to you. Or, or yeah, or they them. take direction well. And, just to um, interrupt real quick, yeah. when, when you say go big, do you give them literally that direction? Can you guys try that, but just way bigger? Yeah, I sometimes will say like go really big or I'll, I'll, I'll give them some sort of redirect of like do it, not not like do, do it as if you're drunk, not that one, but like, you know, do it as if you're like in a bar yelling or something like that. And it's 
Because some actors can't get out of that like little comfort zone they have, mm-hmm. and that's a good way to see if they can. And if they can, that's already a, a great step. But what happens is I'll find whatever that is, and then I'll give it to every single person. And mm-hmm. then I start to worry the agency agency thinks that's like what I'm going to do in, during the spot, which is not the case. And then there's this usually there's this weird phase where once you're done casting everyone, it's like, okay, who do we like? Let's talk about it. And I'm like, I know exactly who I like. And I'm like, I like this person, this person. And then it's that weird like collaboration with people who you haven't really collaborated a lot with. So it's like flexing muscles a little Mm -hmm. bit, but not, but also like, and they're like, oh, I really like this person. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're good too. Um, (laughs) uh, But you know, and it's, it's this weird game that's makes it very uncomfortable, which is unfortunate because it's a very important part of the process. Talking about the people you bring in, I always have a big list and, um, I'm usually not worried about them not performing well, but sometimes if there's someone who I know is really going to be great, like if I were to have to do it without casting, I'd call this person first. I'll text them Mm -hmm. the notes that I'm hearing from the agency where they'll be like, oh, I I really like this guy because I I like this guy because he did this. And, you know, it's just we really need this. And I'm like, okay, yeah. And I'm just like, (laughs) you know, and I'll just text them. And then they come in and their first read is what they want to hear. Right. And that way, I at least know that they're going to be cool with the You've person. You stack the deck. Yeah. And I, I I don't do that every time, but I've done that a handful of times. And it doesn't always work, but it's worked a few of those times. And it's I'm very happy it did because then on the day, I have the person who I want. But yeah. In my experience, it's funny. I was just remembering the fact that in my experience, a lot of times when you're working on commercial, the first time you meet a lot of the agency people is at casting. Yeah. Is that oh, your yeah. experience too? Yeah. I, yeah, that's happened twice. Yeah. And so that's also like doubly because you're like trying to make a good impression and blah, blah, blah. And so, yeah. It's yeah. I, I don't know why I said twice. That's happened almost every single time. <laughs> like you just... <laughs> twice or... Almost. I've also had it where I've like, I once booked back-to-back jobs and I flew, and this sounds like a, a douchey brag, but it's not. I flew from London and overnight to Chicago and went straight into casting and I was exhausted and I had, you know, you meet the agency and I knew one of the creatives, but I was meeting newer people as well. And then also casting. And it was just like, you know, you got to be in the right mind space for it. Yeah. And it's, it's important because it's, it's callbacks and yeah, I don't know. It's Have you guys crazy. had someone that's like awesome in the audition and just like falls apart on set? Well, or a callback. Mm. So I've had, you know, the first audition is like the best thing I've ever seen and I'm so excited. And then we bring him in a second time and I have to like apologize to the director like three times. Or if it's for me, I like won't let it go. Like I'll bring him in a third time and a fourth time because I that first audition was so powerful. But inevitably, I think that person doesn't work out in the end, which is so unfortunate. Yeah, that's the inexperienced actor that in their natural mode is great, but when they're trying to act, like starts falling apart. I've definitely had that in callbacks where you put, you know, with commercials especially, you put together a list and sometimes the agency will as well. And then you figure out who you actually want to bring for callbacks. And sometimes people will be on my list and they come back in and I'm like, what what happened to you, man? Like, yeah, what yeah. did you, what just, what happened over this weekend that you're not doing what you <laughs> did before? And, and it's unfortunate, but... um I mean, you just have to go, okay, well, it's good we caught it now and and you didn't kind of slip through the cracks somehow. For me personally, it's a lot more subjective than I guess maybe it is for you guys because it sounds like you guys have very strong feelings like this person's good or this person's not good. And I will definitely be in casting sessions where I think someone's really good and someone else doesn't and vice versa. And, you know, I mean, part of our job is to just have like strong opinions, (laughs) I think a lot Mm -hmm. of times. You know, when you're working off your own material, it's different too, but... Like this show I'm casting right now, we were trying to cast this like mean girl, like kind of 
Rachel McAdams, like from Mean Girls, bitchy, blonde high school girl. And they brought someone in that like did not look at all like that. She was like darker hair. She was Australian. She's totally like wrong for the part. To make a really long story short, she got the part. <laughs> um, and it's like those are kind of to me the magical things where like someone comes in and reads it in a way that you totally did not expect and weren't looking for. And you're like, oh, shit, that's like way better than what we had. She mm. took it from like being a mean girl to being like Cersei from Game of Thrones. She like brought it. <laughs> like a whole other level and maybe it's the accent who knows you know but it just worked you know and so I don't know to me that that's the magic but the with the writing with like being disappointed with the performances to me sometimes I'm happy when the performances aren't good because I've been telling the writers or someone that I don't think the scene works and they don't oh, believe you funny. until they see someone <laughs> it's your it opportunity to throw yeah. it in their face mm-hmm. that's funny but a lot of times it does work and i'm the wrong person you know right yeah there. there's been times where either in the audition or on set scene will be read and it's like a moment of just oh yeah okay this does work very well I, i'm yep great but I think it's it's harder for me is and you might be dealing with this a little bit with your next project Orin, is when you're there's a certain level of role and person you're reaching out to that you actually can't do casting because it's, it would offend mm-hmm. someone. Oh like, yeah. Um, offer only. Yeah. Offer only. And I get really stressed because I'm dealing with this now. You start at the top of your list and you're like, all these, you know, these 10 people are great. Awesome. And then you go through that real quick because they're either on shoots, not available, or they just don't like it. And then you get to this middle ground where you're like, I think they're good for it. Yeah, they look right. They're they're good performer, but I've never had them read these lines like this character. And and you just are kind of guessing. And that's when it starts to get very stressful because you just don't know. And then you're on set and you're like just either great or you're it's a struggle. Right. Yeah, but and- you can take them out for coffee. Like I or maybe you can't. I don't know. I work in like a, a slower paced world. Yeah. But I had that issue with an actress for bread and butter before we met Chrissy. And I didn't say I was unsure. I was like, I'd like to meet them to talk about it. Like not meeting them was a deal breaker for me. And I felt that I had the clout to demand that, even though I was working with much higher up people. But, you know, it's a job at the end of the day. And I met people for drinks. I met them for coffee. I met them for lunch. And Can and, I ask you what yeah. you talk about? Because I've done that. I've done phone yeah. calls before. And, like, yeah. that's that's good to get on the same page. But obviously with casting, they're auditioning for it. But for, like, just talking to them, like, kind of what are your – what, what well, are some of the things you want to hang out with at? them? Again, like yeah. – Strangely enough, that's how I cast a lot of the time. Do I want to spend, you know, 10 days, 16 days on set with them staring into their face? Mm -hmm. That's one. Two is when people seem phony on like there's certain buzzwords that totally turn me off in a conversation. When people name drop, when people, um, you know, there's certain like very Hollywoodisms that they'll throw into conversation. And then that'll make me think, oh, I don't think we're going to jive at all. Mm -hmm. And then third, if they have proven that they've read the script. (laughs) I've been in conversations with like crew members actually who like clearly haven't read the script and cast, you know, and actors who will say things like, oh, she's so lovely. There should be a whole TV show about her. And I'm just like, this journey is very short. Like, I don't know, like, how could that turn into a TV show? There are certain um, red flags, I would say, you can identify in the phone or at coffee, just like when you're on a first date with someone. Mm -hmm. Logistically, like, how does, how do you set it up? Is it sort of like, I want to cast you, but just to make sure I want to have coffee or is it like, let's have a coffee, you know, cause like, I guess the point yeah. is like, you know, if you have coffee and there's one of those red flags or something like that, 
how do you then say, yeah, this person isn't for me when, when they're like someone who, you know, would, is like high status or whatever. You well, know? I mean, again, I haven't dealt with anyone too. I've, I'm thinking in my head about a TV actress that okay. I had a meeting with and, or, or several TV actresses that I have meetings with. And for me, like they were testing me out too. Mm -hmm. So I don't, you guys are in a different world than I am. Um, but this was my first feature and they weren't quite sure of me and I wasn't quite sure of them. And when you separate, you know, me and that actress with their 15 agents, that adds to a lot of the fear and trepidation. So it was easy, you know, in an email, just say, well, I, you know, really important for me to talk to them in person. And I don't think you even need to say why. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, it, that that's a normal thing that happens. I mean, that that's happened with a few of my friends who are directors who either do phone calls or they'll go grab coffee. You know, a buddy of mine actually, it ended up in like tabloids that he was dating this woman, uh, <laughs> which was really funny, even though it was just like, a, you know, director talk kind of thing. But it is very much the actor as well, you know, asking because a good friend of mine who's done the show, Paul Briganti, he just casted it for his feature. I won't say the name, but the actress wanted to talk to him even more so than he wanted mm -hmm. to talk to her just because, you know, for her, it was, it's a feature and, and she's doing very well right now. And she just wanted to make sure. And it worked, totally worked out. They're, they're going to do it together. But it was like this, you know, kind of just figuring each other out as you go. Yeah. Which makes sense. I mean, I think that is the kind of general way you cast a feature, especially the leads. Right. Like you gotta, you're gonna yeah. spend a ton of time with them. So now we're so on my feature that I've talked about on this podcast forever because we've been trying to cast it forever. So now we're going out to Christopher Walken, and they're like, "Orin, you need to write a letter to him." So first of all, I have no <laughs> idea what to say. <laughs> uh, the love letter. You yeah. gotta write the love letter. Yeah, but you can't kiss ass or name drop or say you're. I've loved, you know. I'd like to remind listeners, though, like, like Liz, you like would put a picture of Chewbacca yeah. in, in the letter that you're describing. You know what I mean? I right? Yeah, I wrote a love letter to Bobby Moynihan with a picture of Chewbacca, like comparing it to me and being like, I could look like this or I could look like... I, it, it was funnier sure. when I wrote the letter. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, I, but, I, but I that mean, is, quirky. That's a version of, of what we're trying to talk about, right? Like you kind of do have to sell it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. you have to sell it. But I, I don't know, in your case, in my case, there's going to be like five other people that read this letter before it gets to him even... And it's, you know, I feel like I have to please all five of them. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to kiss ass, but I want to be nice. But I want to tell him why I think he's good for this part and what the part is and why I'm excited about the movie. But my, I'm always like super nervous around like A-list celebrities because I feel like I don't want to say too many nice things to them because I feel like everyone says nice things to them. And all those people that say nice things to them are just trying to find an excuse to talk to them. And all they can say is like, I love you in this movie. You're awesome yeah. here. And but, I want to say something more meaningful than that. Look, I, my, my feeling is that everyone likes hearing nice things about themselves. If it's a nice thing about themselves that is purely to satisfy someone else's urge to like rub off on the celebrity, you know, like that could yeah, be yeah. bad. You're not asking for a selfie. Yeah, right? yeah. But... I don't know. I mean, I, I please everyone disagrees no. with me if, if, if I'm wrong. No, I think I understand, Oren, your where you're coming from a little bit. I will say, having worked with a lot of you know name talent, all of them are still very much actors and still very much insecure and still need to hear you know reassurance and you're doing a good job and everything's great. 
But I will say, you know, when meeting someone, I don't go, hi, I'm Matt, I'm the director, I loved you in XYZ. You know, like, I'll <laughs> right. wait until lunch or I'll wait until there's yeah. downtime and I'll be like, by the way, that role you're in for whatever it is, like, you crushed in that. That was great. And they're right. like, oh, thank you. Because at, at that point, you've established a little bit of a working relationship. Sure. So it becomes more of like a, mm-hmm. you know, you're both on the same page. It's not like you're, you know, got your fan goggles right. or anything. So I understand where you're coming from of like, it being the first letter, but you do have to, I think a good way to do it is, is to do this, is to say, you know, you, you set up what you want them for and you say, your roles in this and this and this has led me to right. to believe there that you you're, you'd be great for this. So it's yeah. a, a way of, of, and you could then compliment saying you, you were fantastic and, and I loved it. And, and you, that's what I think of you. I, this is my other big question mark. It's like, oh, you know, you were so good in this and this is a really similar character. You would crush it, but maybe they don't want to play similar characters, you know? Yeah, but yeah. then he's not going to want to play that anyways. Yeah. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Like there, there's a certain, because that just happened to me the other day. I had a, a boss character and the woman playing it has played it on TV. And I was like, just to get this out there, I know you wouldn't anyways, but I don't want you to be that same character. And she goes, oh, of course. No, I, 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 w- I was going to do that anyways. I'm like, great. I just want to get that out there. So you can say, you know, your character of this led me to think you'd right. be great for this. With that being said, I'm, I don't want you to do a carbon copy. I mean, it's... Yeah, and it doesn't have to be apples to apples, right? I think that's the thing with both compliments or comparisons. It's like find the thing that maybe is that secret little spark, that unique thing, that unique aspect of a performance or something that they were in that maybe they're not recognized for. That's the special thing that they don't hear all the time. They want to be surprised with the compliment. You know, you can't say, hey, Christopher Walken, I loved you in... Joe Dirt. Yeah, I love doing Joe Dirt. <laughs> he probably doesn't get that, right? That would be the thing. Like if it, if it yeah. works in the room, if you're like, hey, I know this is a weird thing to say, but Joe Dirt's really funny. You're really funny. And then it. he's like super embarrassed by that yeah, performance. Sure, maybe. Yeah, but you know. <laughs> but like you can say like, oh, I loved how dark you were in Seven Psychopaths. And like that's going to, so it's, such a it's great. The, the, but like I bet he's heard that. Do you know what I mean? Right. What I try to do is I kind of default to like talking about craft because I feel like that's, kind of puts us at the same level a little bit instead Mm -hmm. of me kissing ass it's more of like you know so how would you like to work on set like Mm -hmm. you know how do you do you like to study the script do you like to do a lot of takes Do you like to do a few takes are you like more method like trying to talk about you know and and that's why i have it's really easy for me to have a conversation with them but it's hard for me to write a letter that presents all of my thoughts with no feedback i will say i think I, I've never done it, so if anyone has, correct me if I'm wrong. But I think for that first letter, you don't need to get to that level. To me, that's the going out for a drink or coffee, yeah. and then you start yeah. to talk those, about those things. I wrote it in my first letters. Did you? Yeah, I wrote pretty intense love letters to people at first. Okay. But I understand. that it, It's like there's no real uh, sure path. Yeah. But what I wanted to add to this conversation is that I think there's a difference between, and we all know this, the difference between a movie star and an actor, right? So the movie star has the type that they play over and over again, right? And this is all subjective. You decide who in your mind is a movie star and who in your mind is is an actor, but the actor is trying to stretch themselves and push themselves and, you know, try different roles all the time. I was really disappointed when I reached out to certain actors and actresses saying this is so different than what you used to do and that not being attractive to them. That was always very surprising to me because you would, that's interesting. You would expect, I've gotten the opposite a lot. Mm -hmm. I've gotten a lot of like, yeah, I've done that. I want to do something else or, Mm -hmm. When I was working at College Humor, we, we would reach out to celebrities and their 
agents or managers would be like, hey, so-and-so really wants to do something different. Mm-hmm. What what could you, you know, what kind of ideas right. would you have that's like oh. totally off the wall? And then you throw out a bunch of ideas that are like the complete opposite of what they play. And then they're like, oh, yeah, that'd be cool. So that's interesting. I guess yeah. it's just a case-by-case case case basis. Case. <laughs> I guess there is also a difference between like funny internet sketch where like, oh, I'm going to come in for a day oh, yeah, and very like low-key, low-key, low-commitment. Most people won't see it unless it's hilarious. They're usually like promoting something yeah. at the same time. Yeah, I've time. got a movie coming out. Exactly. And so to go back into just like auditioning and kind of, you know, Eric, you were saying sometimes you'll tell an actor, you know, on, on this line on, you know, halfway through the page, maybe change. Now you're you're lying about this. You're saying I love you, but you really are. I mean, I hate you. Do you guys when you're in the auditions and you're just kind of desperate to get through a bunch of actors fast? Do you do that work of like trying to find like action verbs or do you go like, you know, really imagine this character is like meaner. Can you just do like a meaner version or do you, you know, it, it's that's the easy way to direct people. And the hard way is like trying to find right. why they're being meaner. Yeah. Do you guys have thoughts on that? I'll actually, if I'm kind of grasping, I'll think of what's just the direction that I fall back on. <laughs> you know, if I'm on set and we're behind and I need to make, like, what do I typically say? So it's, like, more energy or faster. Like, you know, those aren't, like, textbook great directions for sure, but, like, understanding how a performer is going to respond under those circumstances is pretty valuable as well. Yeah, and when I'm stuck, my default is just describing the character. I don't actually say anything. I just say, you know, she just came from the grocery store. All right, go. Like, you know, I might just say one sentence, and whether I'm hoping for something different or not, at least I've said something and contributed to the conversation, but I completely know what you mean. I had a a director that I worked with that used the same exact adjustment every single audition, and it was like 40 auditions in a day. And I got to the point where I was giving him adjustments and he was open to them. But it's, it's like your brain gets so overworked that you you lose that kind of objectivity. Did you guys ever get sort of towards the end of the day and you're sort of like people are coming in and you're always giving them that adjustment or one or two adjustments and that kind of thing. And then someone comes in and they're just terrible and you're just like, okay, thank you. And no. you like, don't give them an adjustment. Still, still I, give I, it to I them. Still. No, no, no. Man, I totally disagree with <laughs> you. I, I, if they're not right, you you don't need to waste their time. Either, I right? literally yeah. was like when, as you were talking, that popped in my head, which was the sadness that you have to start with when you know someone isn't right and sometimes you just go okay thank you very much and they they walk away and i've had moments where i've seen the actor like i could see in their eyes just them just drop and just go yeah i'm not getting this part and i'm like oh that that hurt that hurt for me to see that happen to someone but then by the end of the day after you've done like 40 people and you've been there for five six hours and you're just like i'm done with this you just don't care as much and it's not because you're like you're not you don't care you're not a decent human being it's because you've been doing it over and over again and it's it becomes less (laughs) it it it, it happens i mean it it happens the exact opposite of like when like people are doing something that at first like we were casting guys and they needed to take their shirt shirt off at first it was like can you take your shirt off now and it's a little bit of like oh what's you know and then by the end it was like all right get your shirt off cool spin around great got it go ahead you know to ask um, I used I used to act so I don't know if anyone here has performed have you ever has anyone here so I've been in auditions where I'm auditioning and I look at the director and he's the only one in the room and he's looking down at his notes and he's not looking at me mm-hmm. and yes the director's time is very precious but I do think the actor's time is very precious as well mm-hmm. and when they you know drive especially in Los Angeles 90 minutes in traffic and mm-hmm. pay two dollars in parking I I think of it as play time 
And I turn it into, let me make your time worthwhile. (laughs) Even if it's 90 more seconds with them, at least it's stupid, but I feel like this obligation or this, uh, I don't know, just try to make it fun. Like if it's bad, make it fun. You know, like if they're bad, still have fun with them. What if that extra 90 seconds makes them think, well, maybe I'm going to get it. She redirected me two times. This is amazing, yeah. right? Because the, I think the point. flip side happens as well. I it, think that's fine if they think they're going to get it. It gives them I did hope it. and I more cast confidence. a movie and their, yeah. my reader at the end of the day was like, you know, the person that was reading the lines with the actors was like, I think every single actor that came in here today thinks they booked the job because of <laughs> yeah. the way you talk to them. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I and think I, to me, the most compassionate thing is to just politely say, oh, thank you so much. Well, I also give really nice rejection letters <laughs> where I, um, I shouldn't say this in this. I mean, I don't know, but I usually lie and I say they're too young for the role. Oh, yeah. <laughs> too skinny, hot, and young. I will we say, had to cast Charlize Theron. Sorry. There's been, um, there's two things that I thought of. One is with an agency, sometimes you spend a little bit of extra time kind of trying a few different things and, and they have their input as well. Sometimes they're like, Oh, you know, you know, mm-hmm. what if we did it this way and things like that. And so we were casting and we only had like three hours and we had to go through a ton of people. And so we decided that if either of us didn't like the person, mm-hmm. we would say, we code. Yeah, yeah, our code would be like, Hey, what time's your flight later today? Mm-hmm. So I got on set, we casted someone, and, and the, one of the actors was like, hey, where'd you end up flying to, by the way? And I was like, no, no, no. It was like, it was code because the person you were in the scene with, we didn't like very much. And she was like, oh. She's like, well, was it me? I'm like, no, you're here. It wasn't you. I'm just like, oh, okay. But it was like, it's like this weird trick, and it's very much like when you hear someone else start to say it, it's just like, oh, like you kind of feel bad, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. And I, I hear you about like, the, the only thing that's going to like make them kind of even better is, is to work. So it's like, it's, it behooves you in the long run to help them because it kind of brings up the whole actor. But know, I have like, more time in the room than you guys do. I think yeah. that's no, what but, I'm kind of hearing. But I'm a hundred percent with you, Liz, and totally disagree with <laughs> Matt Enlow over here about the compassionate thing as being a dick. Um, <laughs> but, but, but I, I, you've seen this and cause you said you, you, you used to act and you, Probably still will at some point. I don't know. Oh, but, no, I don't hate it. Oh, okay, no. you're done. But <laughs> I once dated someone who was an opera singer, and she would go in and perform, and she has told me horror stories of, like, whoever's there just sitting there eating apples and, like, on their phone yeah, and stuff sure. like that. And so I think Matt and us are, like, we're not quite so as evil as the rest of us just because we're, like, a little bit quicker to, you know, write someone off. There are some people that are just, like, they don't care and they just sit there. And I feel like some people, like some directors even think it's like what they're supposed to do. And there's supposed to be this moment where someone says something and they look up and they're like, oh my God, it's you. Like it's this whole thing, which it's not. It's like these are human beings and treat them well. Yeah. So it's just a different sure. way about doing that. Yeah, well, I think I mean, there are two different things. Where yeah. I think, I mean, obviously yeah. Matt is very, a, a very monster. nice person. A <laughs> um, well, r- real quick, have you guys ever heard of typing? It's a thing that happens in New York, like especially in like musical theater. It's, this is the worst. So in musical theater, they'll do a thing where if they're behind, there's like 30 actors in the room. They'll just make everybody stand up and then they'll just go down the line. Yes, yes, yes. No, 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 no. Yes, 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 yes. If you're a yes, come with us. If no, you're done already. Whoa. Yeah. It's called typing? Typing. Yeah, yeah. I thought so, someone was going to type in this. Well, it's That's because it's like, you are you know, the type? If you're, if you're, are you the type, right? Yeah. Wow. Okay, so you're not the most evil director. <laughs> but no, what, what I'm saying, got nothing I'm saying there's two different things we're talking about. One, we're talking about just being a generally a nice person and treating people with respect and understanding that someone who 
you know, I, I always am like, oh, shit, we've have t- someone has been waiting in, out in the room for like 25 minutes while we've just been talking and eating lunch. Like, let's just let them come in. Right. And I'd rather like eat a little bit while they're in so that I can not waste their time. But so that's one thing. And I think we're all kind of on the same page. The second thing I think that we disagree on is you, you and most people and most casting directors, I think, say like, if you don't like them, don't waste their time by like having them do another read. To me, it's more like what Matt Pollock was saying, which is that you want all the actors to be better, right? None of us hate sure. actors. None of us want actors to be bad. We'd you love. want them to walk in and nail it always. Yeah. And if not now, you want them to, at least for me, one of the whole reasons I really like this industry or like what I think makes people succeed in this industry is like positive feedback and saying like, hey, you know, you didn't get this one, but you almost did, you know? And it's like, that's the stuff that drives you to keep getting better. And so to me, I'd rather feed someone's ego a little bit and be like, hey, that was good. You know, let's try. I mean, I don't know. I'm assuming we all talk to actors the same way, which is like, hey, that was great. Even though it wasn't, let's try a different version that's like this, right? Because they're in front of the camera and you want them to feel confident and good and stuff. And so to me, giving them adjustments and I'll even do this crazier thing. I, I do a lot of non-union commercials and stuff where like, you know, we get kind of the actors that literally moved to L.A. yesterday and I will give them, they don't ask me, and I feel bad sometimes because they didn't ask me for it, but I'll give them tips. Like, I'll say, like, hey, by the way, you know, your resume should be on the back of your headshot. Or, you know, you, you can hold the sides while you're doing the audition. It's actually better for me because then I don't have to start over when you have to walk over to pick them up out of your backpack. You know, so to me, it's like all about us. And that's why we have this podcast, all about us sharing what we know and helping each other and trying to make each other better, you know, because at the end, we'll be making better stuff hopefully sure. so that that's my whole philosophy on I, I have a question for you all i i often feel like this is especially for you Liz, as a casting ex-casting director or also i cast my own projects so okay. so i always feel like i want the casting person to give me the 10 best mm-hmm. <laughs> rather than the 50 people that they saw right. how do you guys feel about that? Yeah. yeah i if i trust the casting person a casting director whatever it is i will do that as well there are times where, you know, uh, you'll get an email and you'll have 100 people to look through and you need to do it by the end of that day because the next day, you know, like it's a super yeah. quick turnaround. And you're like, and and so what, what ends up happening is you do one of two things. Either you don't look through everything, you do look through everyone, or you. And when I say you don't look through everyone, you skip the people who just, you type them without mm-hmm. typing. You, you, you actually do it in the audition tapes. And I think when it comes to callbacks, like if someone looks great for the part and had a good audition and they just bomb the first read, I'll give them another read because it's, Oh, you just had a, you, right. you flubbed something, something happened in your head. You had a stroke. I don't know what, something happened, <laughs> but if they already don't really look the part and there's something already off and then they, and then I'm like, this is not going to yeah. work out even on, on, on any end. So I think that's what it is when it comes to like giving the person another chance to go back to your question though. There are times where you just, either don't have the time to go through all of them or it's just painful. So you you go through the ones that look right to begin with and then maybe a couple other ones or you just trust whoever's sending it to you to be like, who are the good people in the room? Because sometimes you just don't have the time. And I also feel bad even though I am not looking at the person, but I'm like, I'll see their little face and I'm like, I'm just not going to watch yours because you don't look right. And yeah. I'm like, mm-hmm. kind of feel guilty about sure. it. But. And or, or, or you're thinking about the balance of your ensemble. 
right? Yeah. Like, okay, well, I've got two brunettes, so I need a blonde. Well, yes, you know, or it sometimes it's, it's it's sometimes you're you're doing like a family thing, and it's a little bit of sure. a puzzle piece. So it's like once you are like find the right dad, it's like okay, he's perfect. So now, but this one kid's so now I got to do this. So you get to a certain point where you get to like the mom, and you're like, well, this mom needs to look a certain way. Right. All these redheads, I'm sorry, you're not right for it. Yeah. You know, whatever, whatever it is. The worst is when they like look so good and you're so excited about them and it's like someone super beautiful or some like super handsome guy that's supposed to be like exactly right and they come in and you're just like jealous of them just from looking at their headshot because mm-hmm. they're like so good looking and charming and confident and then they like read the lines and then they're just like fall apart. I had, a, I had an... <laughs> that, uh, that's what modeling is for. They'll be okay. I had a, an agency creative who got kind of blinded by someone's handsomeness <laughs> and it was, it was really... I mean, it was... The part was supposed to be super handsome guy. So it was like, you know, if they're good looking, great. Step one, done. Now let's see you perform. And it was like this one guy who was very handsome and he just like couldn't perform. And me being a straight guy, just like, I was like, yeah, you're a good looking guy, definitely. And then he performed like that was not good. Not good enough. And then the agency creative who who was female, I think, got a little bit blinded by how handsome. She's like, he's he looks perfect. He looks great. I'm like, yeah, but he is not a good actor so we we didn't cast him we we ended up using someone who's great but it was like this weird thing of like yeah sometimes you get blinded a little bit by the right look and you just have to go back to like but they have to speak and they have to Mm -hmm. they have to perform so yeah so in film school so i went to usc and i remember we had all these like informational times about you know casting and all of the teachers were always warning all the straight men to be careful because they were like they were going to be swayed by women in the casting room. And when we started casting, I noticed like a lot of women were very smart about that. And they would come in with sassy clothing and being very flirty and they were working it. And I just think it's funny. I never heard of it from the other side, but I love hearing that it just everyone's mm-hmm. yeah. no one's immune. I think especially when uh, someone's writing, you know, they wrote and directed their own piece and there's there's a character in it that you like is similar to you and you, you connect with that's my and then, very favorite and then it's I like love it when so someone's you, written you, themselves so you have to cast for that and then if there's a love interest you end up and this happened when i was in film school you know sophomore year i was like you know casting and it ended up becoming like it felt like i was casting like a potential girlfriend mm-hmm. and i was like this is not a I, it's like this is a very weird situation <laughs> like i'm casting someone who i'd be attracted to and also who seems like a cool person and then Oh yeah. Also, they have to be a good performer, and it's like very much you have to like jump out of that and go, no, no, this is not what that is. Can I ask you, uh, Liz, a question? How much time do you have with casting, or, or like, I guess what I'm asking, what I'm getting at is, doing commercials or doing digital series or doing shorts. It's it's everything's all happening at once, as usually things do. But I feel like. You know, when we're talking about not watching all the videos, I, I feel like there's a, a difference because commercials things happen very quickly, whereas mm-hmm. features you have a little bit more time. Is is that true? Or yeah, I mean, with I, I cast a few spec commercials and then I cast some, sh- I mean, like a lot of shorts and then um, three features. In terms of time, unfortunately, it's all based off of when I get told about the project and then I get started, and then everything stops when I'm working another job because I work multiple jobs all the time. Right now I only work one, but usually I work up to three. So it's, it's, there's no answer because it's just like all the time available I have, I go towards casting, but also I don't have a lot of resources. I don't have a lot of money. So I use free casting rooms. And so those are based off of schedule and reserving in advance as well. So 
I'm coming at it from a very micro budget perspective. And it's like weekend warrior type situation, weekend and evening warriors. Gotcha. Because I've done casting for like shorts or independent pilots and things like that. And it's definitely nicer because you have a little bit more time. There's not so much pressure. You also get to kind of be the final say a lot of times yeah, on right, those things. Right. Yeah. And so you can afford to be a little bit more thorough, whereas like... I or can think or even less thorough. Like less. I'm satisfied. Yeah. yeah I, like, I don't care if anyone else is. my favorite. Done. Yeah. I mean, I can think of, you know, Eric, when you brought up you know, just looking at your favorite 10, the times where I've had to be the most thorough in casting is when my favorite 10 and our casting director's favorite 10 all got turned down by the agency. Mm. And then you're back to square one. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, let's go back through this entire list. You know, that's the worst. That sounds horrible, guys. (laughs) And you have to deal with it all the time. Like I would, I'd be so angry all the time. Yeah. I think it's, there is something fun about the agency approving an actor, whether you think they're good or not good. And then, it's kind of on them, you know. I mean, everything in that commercial world yeah. is a little bit like, sorry, yeah. you guys approved this. We're the middle of you know? the pile. For the sure. the most fun I've ever had on a commercial was when I cast for a commercial, and then a year later they wanted to do like you know a, a re up of the campaign, and we had used the same cast, and it was like the best thing oh, that's ever. Awesome, because like that all that it's, just so, it's always just such a fight, you know, and all those fights were fought. So uh, I'm just thinking about in terms of who might be listening to this. If, if you know, this will be on Facebook, it'll say casting. Probably a lot of actors will probably want to listen to this, and I've, we're all friends with actors. You know, sure. I'll answer my question, but leave it up to you guys to hear what you say. But what are some of the things you look for in a person? Like, what will get someone the, not get someone the job because every job is different? But for instance, when a roommate of mine or a friend of mine might ask, like. You know what are some of the things that you that you notice lead to someone getting booked? And I say honestly, it's confidence and and a little bit of not caring. Like you, mm-hmm. like one buddy of mine who anytime he's auditioned, he doesn't like to audition for commercials. But anytime I've brought him in for a commercial, he's always either booked it and couldn't do it, or booked it and did it. And it's because he walks in and he's just like relaxed and hanging out, like he's having fun. He improvs a little bit, but not too much. And uh, he just walks out. I was like, all right, cool. And he has this demeanor. It's just like, yeah, whatever. I don't, I don't, I don't, it's not that I don't care about the project, but it's like, I don't need this. So I say, you know, be relaxed and feel comfortable, have fun and just listen. Is there anything specific? I'm like the opposite. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I like needy men and I like men. So like, I'm just comparing to dating. So like, I want someone who's on time. I want someone who sends me a thank you note right afterwards. And I want someone who doesn't wear too much makeup or doesn't have too much product in the hair, like comes naturally and then says like one thing about the character that I haven't heard yet. Like that'll nail it for me. I mean, in addition to the performance. I de- yeah, I definitely, maybe not so much one thing about the character, but definitely With like find something, you know, whatever, the first time you read it for most people when it comes to acting you know, the other 50 people have read it that way. So what is the one thing you could add to it or change slightly that not to the point where it's a completely different thing, but just enough to set you apart from everybody else and and do that, or at least try that first and see what happens. Because otherwise it's just, you're doing the same thing the other 50 people have done, and then you just have to be the best. And by the time the director has seen you, they might be tired and you're all the same to them anyways. Yeah, Yeah, I actually think that when you audition makes like a big difference. Like if you're one of the first Mm -hmm. people, I would do like a straighter read. Again, obviously confidence, showing them the director that you get it, you know, that you know what the role is or something. If you're later in the day, that's when I'd be like, just go all out, make big choices, you know, and... Mm. 
and kind of try and again know that they've heard it 50 times so maybe mm-hmm. even ask them a question you know like hey on this line is it would you want it more mean or nice or whatever it is like just to show them to just to try to flip things for the director i love you know, questions it's interesting Questions are great from actors. I like questions when I'm casting something for myself or with when it comes to when agencies around, I feel like I have to answer for them as well. Like I I have like this politics are different. Yeah. There's this pressure of like, what do they like? I know what I, I know what the answer is, but I don't want them to get scared. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to say the wrong thing. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So it's this weird thing. And then because oftentimes it's the first time you're meeting them and you've spoken a little bit about things, but you haven't really gone too far in depth. So you right. you say something and then they're like, that's not how we see it. And then Ooh. that's a whole other thing. And, and yeah. That's a good point. I, I agree with everything you guys are saying. I think the two other things that I look for are looseness, you know, mm-hmm. just sort of like this guy, just like, I don't know, ability to sort of change it up and, and you know, sort of do it, go one way and then zag, zigzag, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. And then also... For me, honestly, like any like this is fun or like oh I I really enjoy this this bit oh, or something you know like something but like, they don't need to say like I lo- actually love Heinz ketchup no absolutely yeah, you not don't care about but Heinz like, ketchup but, but like you do care about the creative that's interesting the people yeah. that I get most excited about are the people that almost like kind of like laugh a little bit during it. You know, like, like, like not like genuine laugh. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, there, you you know, can tell when they're just saying like, "Oh, this is so great," and you're like, "You know, it's not." I feel like shit about it, so yeah. I know you're lying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or if like, it's even better. It's like really. Or yeah, you, you go. Think this do is you? Because I don't. And <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Or like, yeah, or someone who's like, you know, if I if I'm like, you know, maybe try like throwing a, like a tag where they say, you know, something like this, and they're like, oh yeah, that's good. You know, like yeah, yeah. like I know it's it's not even about an ego thing. It's not trying to make me feel good. It's just sort of like. Oh, I can tell that you're engaged in right. this. Right. That you can work like, together. Yeah. 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 Collaborate. Yeah. Collaborate together. Yeah. For, for me, I, I'll always ask, like, especially if we're in callbacks, I'll do the thing where you flip over your resume and, like, kind of scan it real quick to, like, mm-hmm. find something to talk. It's kind of an, the equivalent of taking someone to coffee, but for mm-hmm. 30 seconds. And so it's kind of just a, are you insane or not? <laughs> All right. Like, that's mm-hmm. what I'm trying to figure out. But I can't tell you how many times I'll find a liar. Yeah, because I'll skim. Oh, yeah. I'll be like, "Oh, weird web series." Okay, like I know that. Let's talk about it. And they're like, "Oh, I wasn't. I was just like in the background or something." Yeah. Like, that'll happen every once in a while. That happens with uh, training a lot because, uh, yeah, especially sure. UCB or I always ask who their anything. teacher is, and yeah. I'll ask who their teacher is. It's like they'll say UCB training is like, right. you know, and there's you know four to five classes there. It's, there's a bunch of things you could do, and they're like. It's a very easy thing to find out, like, oh, who's your teacher? And if they go, oh, so-and-so, you're like, oh, you only did one level. Yeah, you're sure. not, like, an improv, like, you're not as yeah, well-established yeah. as everyone else. Or they'll go, I don't remember. And I'm like, you should remember. You should know. You should know. <laughs> right. You should know. Yeah, you're spending, like, what is it, like, eight weeks with them, yeah. basically? Like, you, you should know. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm not worried about, like, what level they're at, but if they can't, because I'm just looking to talk Oh, like, oh, I probably know that person. You know yeah. what I mean? Or at least know their reputation or something. Yeah. So, it, again, it's an opportunity to talk to someone about something. Yeah. So if, like, your resume is filled with bullshit. like Yeah. I just had someone the other day. I watch a ton of TV. So I was like, oh, you're on True Blood? Who would you play on True Blood? And then she was like, well, I was in the second season. Well, I should probably take that off my resume. I, I, yeah. yeah. I, um, <laughs> everyone, I agree with everything you guys said about all the confidence and energy and everything. So just a few technical things. And maybe I don't know if you guys have any other things. Like, you know, be aware of where the camera is and where the director is. Like, it, mm-hmm. where your face is facing makes a difference on whether we can, like, see your performance or not. 
and where the you know on set too i like actors that know where the light is coming from so mm -hmm. they know where to look Mm -hmm. And it, get your hair out of your face, like that kind of. I think yeah. that's how you get to a very established, experienced director from or uh, actor from one who's not. Right, and if you don't know, ask. Should I look here? Should, is my eyeline yeah. here? Does this work for you? Can no I one's going to think you're a chump for like clarifying. Yeah, you can know? I just sit yeah. down? Can I not sit down? For me, always hold your sides, even if you're off book, which I like when, when people are off book. Obviously, it's nice when you have your lines memorized. But whether you are or not, like I like when people hold their sides because sometimes I might be like, you know that line on the second page, you know, in the middle? Yeah. I don't want you to like go hunting for your sides or me having to show you where it is. Um, and then don't wear anything too crazy. Oh, and the other big thing is like if you get an adjustment, even if it doesn't make any sense to you. Oh, do it. Yeah. Just do something different because mm -hmm. that's 90% yeah. um, of the time we just want to see that you can do that your performance isn't like baked in, you know? I, I have the suspicion it would be smart just to have two very different versions of a performance just baked in already and then just <laughs> do that other one, you so know? That's what happens to me and, and what you talked about, you know, a half hour ago, which is you have someone read it and then you have your set ideas and you go, okay, now play it this way yeah. okay now play it that way and you see it both ways and then you do that 50 times by the end you're like there's got to be another way i could think of it but you're just <laughs> done it so much you're like whatever two killer like very different performances regardless of what the direction was i bet that would be really helpful actually I, I just thought of a question actually um when i cast i always have a reader like i was a reader i never have the reader on camera i always have the reader off camera mm -hmm. and the reader's always an actor that i think is a very talented actor and i was really curious like from your perspective do you guys have actor readers or are the readers agency people or are they? They're always casting people. They're, yeah, always, they're usually yeah. casting They're the casting people. directors. Yeah, yeah but they'll, the they'll bring not, actors usually, to read. Yeah. yeah. Or, or they'll have an associate. Sometimes. Usually an associate. Yeah, yeah. yeah I agree. Making, the reader makes a huge difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying that's the way it's done. Yeah. <laughs> I was curious about that. But um, I think a lot of people who end up as casting associates were actors once upon yeah. a time. Yeah, it I don't think it's like a coincidence. Yeah. 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 It's also an easy, if you need a reader, it's usually easy to get an actor to come do it for free because if you're an actor, I mean, I, all professional actors know this, but like being a reader is probably one of the most helpful things you can do to understand yeah. why people sure. get roles. Also, they just, you know, you're there, you put yourself on tape. Yeah, totally. I mean, I've had that. I've had yeah. that happen a ton of times. And sometimes they, they even get a call back and it's like, oh, you're the reader, but you're yes. good. Like, I'm glad you put yourself on tape. Come back and, and do it yeah. again. And do, you guys, do you guys watch Veep? Oh, yeah. yeah, love yeah. Veep. Yeah. Uh, Jonah? To, yep. to yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I just met him, and he he was a casting associate. Oh, great. And <laughs> he, boy, he's, on, he's incredible. He's amazing, and he yeah. was just like, yeah, I'm like, I just, you know, I was casting associate for like a year, and I just learned everything about acting. And, and he seems <laughs> like a nightmare to shoot only because he's so tall. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. putting him in a scene with anyone, yeah. you're just like, oh. The, the woman who plays Phyllis on The Office uh, was a casting director. Mm -hmm. Who just got cast because she was reading Amazing. the role, and then mm -hmm. they were like, "Well, we should just have you do it." Yeah, Rex Lee yeah. from Entourage is also oh, really? was also casting it. Yeah, I mean, it's a natural role for an actor. Yeah. Well, we should probably wrap up the casting talk. I just wanted to talk about two other things super fast. I'm just kind of wondering, like, what you guys have lined up for 2016? Mm -hmm. a, a short version, and kind of, you know, at least your directing careers, and just give us some insight into like how you even approach planning out a directing career for the year. I'm launching a Kickstarter campaign February 1st. Sorry, nice. guys, this is my plug. <laughs> so, hey, no, uh, I'm doing a uh, one-location sci-fi movie with an older woman as the lead. It's four-character and doing a Kickstarter, and what that's really going to consume me for the next, like, three years. And so. what's the name of the movie? 
I want to call it plan B, but I'm a little nervous about the metaphor there. Mm. So the alternate title is after and before. And it's, gosh, I shouldn't say what it's about because I'm about to say what it's about, but it's about death. But more, important, more importantly, how do we all find your Kickstarter? Oh, Damn it. Uh, email me, lizmanichelle at gmail.com. Liz, do you have a website? Or no? um, I have, yeah, well, I just bought, rebought my domain. So lizmanichelle.com and then breadandbuttermovie.com. Real quick, if you're an actor, get a website and a reel, please. As someone who's had to do a lot of just, you know, you just cast based off a list that you see and can't do auditions. The first thing I do is type in their name mm-hmm. and Google. I just their first last name in real, and if nothing comes up, I'm I, I, there's nothing I, you can I'm, do. I move on to the you next stop. person. Yeah. yeah, or you look them up on Facebook. Right? Yeah, yeah, and then after that, you're like, all right, you're done. You and know. I'm like creepy enough. I'm stopping. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, carry on. Uh, 2016. I so I finished a script that I'm writing. On December thirty first, two thousand fifteen. Wow, it's just very just psychologically important for me yeah. to to, to sort of Well that. done. A feature? It's a feature. Yeah. Well, um, wait, wait. At what time? I'm very time? curious. It was like, like in the afternoon. I, I had pretty much. I was pretty much done. I just I was putting some finishing touches on it. So yeah. So I mean, I'm. It's in the hands of a few readers right now. But the idea is to to try to get it out to some actors soon. So that's the main thing. And then just more commercials to pay the bills. Cool. And are you going to do anything to try to get more commercial, like working on your real website, any of that stuff? So at the end of like sort of mid-December, I shot a few spots for Johnson and Johnson that were like my first like national, like pretty real thing. And so those are being edited right now and thinking when they're done, if they're good, then that will be the key. <laughs> uh, if they're not good, then I'll come up something else. But <laughs> but that's sort of the the main thing. It's just sort of like wait wait for them to be done and then and then reassess. Cool. For me, currently, the big thing is a digital series for YouTube Red and College Humor, and that is the title has changed about five times and is yet to be named. But it's um. The, the quick thing is to say like a comedic version of Black Mirror, which is a comedic take on um, technology and the human condition, but the comedy version of that. So it's um, I'm directing for 10-minute episodes of that, and then in February, March-ish, I'm going to London to do a commercial with the big soccer team there, which will be really fun, or football team. And then three shorts that I have I want to do this year and um, commercials and any other little random projects that come my way. Cool. Um, Chock full. Yeah. 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 And just for the like directors that are listening that are kind of getting into professional directing, what can you tell us about YouTube Red? Just like two sentences. Are they giving people money to make stuff? YouTube Red is YouTube's paid subscription service. They have this new thing where if you uh, pay $9.99 a month or whatever it is, you could watch all the videos ad-free. You could also listen to music without having to keep your phone on. So you could just turn your phone off and it'll keep playing because apparently a lot of people listen to music through YouTube. And um, more importantly, there's going to be a lot of premium content and um, original content that, you know, College Humor is making, PewDiePie is doing, The Fine Brothers, like a ton of different people are doing just their own original content for that. So us normal non-subscribers could watch about three minutes and a paywall will pop up and say, you must subscribe to watch the rest kind of thing. So it's a way to watch that content. It's kind of like uh, the Hulu or you know Netflix streaming of YouTube, basically. Yeah, they, right. they want it to be to rival that. Yeah, are they, is there a plan to sort of try to do a more traditional like 30 minute kind of stuff? Or are they trying to keep it in the YouTube model of like shorter and more like... I don't know. I mean, from a content standpoint, I hope so. From a storyteller, director standpoint, I 
I hope they just try to do a ton of stuff. I mean, you know, because then there's more opportunities. But um, I'm not too sure. I also don't know because I, I only know really about College Humor's project. I don't know too much about anybody else's. So, I mean, someone might, you know, maybe one of other channels is a feature. I don't I don't know, but I, I just know that what, what ours is. And I imagine a lot of people are doing a similar thing to that. Cool. Cool. Oh, that's right. you guys. That's me. Yeah, I uh, boy, I think I've talked about this series for the last six or seven episodes, but I'm developing a new series that I can't really talk about. So basically, just waiting to hear about that. I'm in this weird kind of zone where, like, I'm waiting a, a green light, basically, and so as a result, uh, everything else that I'm doing is just trying to think of like a bigger game plan for the next five years, right? I'm in that kind of zone where it's like, well, what do I want to be doing after this and after that? You know, we talk about our, the, my, sure. I have this tier system of tier one is like the stuff that I basically got into filmmaking for, mm-hmm. like what I really want to spend all my time doing um, and hopefully get paid for. I have like two projects in that tier, which is a lot for me. One is this TV show I'm pitching that Eric, actually, our editor was here to listen to our practice pitch. That is, seems to be, and we're going to take it out to networks and stuff um, wow. this month, maybe. Definitely next month. And then my other thing is I'm just like really, really have to finish my feature screenplay of the feature that like I want to make for myself. The low budget movie that hopefully, you know, I've talked about the podcast a million times about like all these directors, Gareth Edwards or Trevor, uh, what's his name? Colin, Co- Trevorrow. Colin Trevorrow or all these guys that basically made their one movie that kind of put them in the next level or you know fruitvale station or whatever and so i just i just feel like i can just keep waiting forever and doing branded content commercials and music videos and all that crap and never get there but i just like want to say i don't care how much money i'm not making and just like really really let's stop it It, like just out of curiosity because it sounds like you have the passion it sounds like maybe time is stopping you i have the problem that i'm sure all of us have which is like okay, I'm going to do that this next month. And then someone mm-hmm. from Funnier Die calls and says, hey, you want to make $1,000? No, no I one was, calls me. I was going to bring this up and ask this just because this is probably the thing that consumes my mental state more than anything else aside from when I'm actually on a project, which is... Um, death. Which is death, which is... No, um, which is... Um, Having the idea of the career you want and knowing that you need to do this. For instance, for me, I know that I need to do a feature. I know that I need to do a few shorts because I've done a lot of sketches and commercials and I've done some digital series, but I haven't done a very long form piece. But figuring out the time to do it, when to do it, when to turn other projects down and all that is such a, you know, a minefield. It's like you just don't know. So like I do the same thing you're talking about, Orin, which is like, great, I'm going to spend the next week and a half. I'm going to really work on this script. And in my head, I'm like, great, once, once March is done, April, I'm going to, I'm going to do one of these shorts I want to do for sure. And then all of a sudden, like it's February, it's March. And I'm like, oh, I just got called about a commercial shooting. Then I got called about this or blah, blah, blah. And then you keep putting it off. I guess I'm asking, am I the only one who, who's worried about this or thinks about this? And if not, or if yeah. so, then how do you... I think about it every waking second. <laughs> yeah. We um, talk about this all the time. Matt. Yeah. We'll say, like, I am finally have this free time to write yeah. this thing. And someone will be like, oh, we need a director. I'm like, oh, well, Matt Enloe's too busy. He's working on his thing. And then the next week I hear he took the that job. I took the job. <laughs> yeah. I, and which is, to my point, I think the actual answer is you just have to do both all the yes. time. I, I was it. just about to say the exact same thing. Yeah, no, I think the people like the Colin Trevorrow's of the world and the, you know, they're the guys who 
did all the took all those jobs but then also stayed up all night and finished the script or you know locked themselves in a room and didn't come out until they did this thing while they're doing something else you know yeah. it's a money issue is what you're saying right guys i mean it's, like i don't i don't direct commercials i don't direct any yeah, it's, it's, but it's, it's, it's also majorly it's a, money because like i don't need to like i had a very good 2015 so i'm good for a few months like i don't need to work right now like the project i'm on right now is something that i want to do and i've turned other projects down for but you know part of commercials is you get a call and you get boards sent to you which is basically the script and then it's almost there's a little bit of pressure to go through with it and there's that side of thing but it's it's also um the fear of turning things down yeah fear of turning things down but it also becomes and for me it's not the time of writing the script because i have scripts written i have ideas and i am i i meet with writer friends of mine and when we write a lot it's the time to start pre-production to start Mm. to be like i'm doing this now and part of it is maybe that i just like all the producers who i know are constantly working and i hate producing so i'm a little bit more reluctant to do it yeah so that could be why because i just it's a stress that i don't that takes me away from what i'm good at or what i think i'm good at so there's also probably i mean uh, you know we're all sort of dancing around this a little bit but there's also fear of of failing at the thing that is the oh 100 percent. because you've like all of us here have at least done things that have made us somewhat be able to live being a director which is great no, um. no. <laughs> I don't get paid to be director. And I'm, I'm actually in the exact opposite scenario that a lot of you guys are in, but okay. I'm not successful. <laughs> I'm successful internally, but I have time and I've only pursued features. So, because I didn't listen to your episode. So you do other work aside from directing. I'm an assistant. I so, work in distribution. So here's what I think it is a little bit or what I've talked to people about. Because like we're directing, so to, to direct, right. it just happens and you just keep doing it. So then to do your own thing, it's taking it, it's harder to it's do It's like that. emotionally yeah. exhausting. Whereas if you have a job where you're not doing what you want to do, once it's six o'clock and you get home, it's a lot easier to yeah, jump definitely. into that. And like on the weekend to jump in that. Whereas, you know, me, like I was shooting, you know, 13, 14 hours every day this week. And when I get home, I'm like, I'm eating food and I'm going to bed. I'm waking up at six the next day. So it's funny because I look at you and I'm like, oh, that's awesome. You've done, you've done some features. And then I've done one feature. Well, that's, (laughs) but I'm doing a second one. Yeah, exactly. Whereas I'm like on the other side, I'm just like kind of working job to job and I haven't set aside. So funny because I look at you guys and I'm like, you're actively directing, you're constantly being embraced by this industry and you're getting paid for it. And I'm like, that's sounds so cool like it really (laughs) genuinely sounds awesome i'm over here and i'm like i hate the system i'm gonna do everything myself and then i make these low budget features that and i always feel bad about chrissy when i say this but not a lot of people see you know see my work a lot more than i thought would see it have seen bread and butter but it's not you know it's not um monsters or whatever but i i just wanted to add to the conversation i know you guys are in an impossible scenario and it's a very varied situation for each of you but I think the fear of failure is a, is a giant part of it. And once I realized that the thing I'm most afraid of is the thing I'm supposed to go towards, that helped me a lot. And I have made this first feature and it has like thousands of mistakes in it. Yeah. But I feel a lot of calmness. And maybe you could speak to this. I mean, you know, obviously aren't. But like, I feel like a sense of like calmness and satisfaction having made it that I really want everyone to, to feel if they haven't felt that yet. Yeah. I mean, what I was getting at is, is and that's mm-hmm. that's. And awesome I hope I didn't go on a tangent. And like no, that's, that's awesome. And... That's awesome to hear because part of what I was getting at is because, you know, at least the four of us, I know, work consistently. And 
we have websites and reels and we have projects and people you guys are fancy. It's almost like I, I, I think people expect a certain level out of me. And if this doesn't hit that level of, uh, and, and it's not just of what you mean want, of your but, own personal project, of what I want mm-hmm. of my own personal projects, mm-hmm. then I'm like, I know I'm going to let myself down. I could deal with that, but I'm also <laughs> going to let other people down. And then that's like, I'm probably going to let myself down no matter what, like that's just the, the nature of, of what, of what I do. And yeah, but I don't want to say, hey, I did this, and it's like, I wrote this, I directed this, this is my own thing, and then people see it and go, oh, yeah, <laughs> no. And, and because of that, I immediately, I'll finish a script, and I'll be like, this is great, and a week goes by, and I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, there's an easy solution. Just set out to make a shitty first feature. There you go. Oh, that's yeah. a great, yeah, that's fantastic. I'm, I can, I can talk to, at length about why that's a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, um, but I, I will Because say, I did it. I, I mean, you know, we all, I think most of us, our work hopefully gets better as we do more of it, and yes. you have to do it to get better at it. But I think kind of, it, it's like the fear of failing plus the option of a sure thing, which is the phone call to right. pitch on a commercial or to go right. direct the right. web series or something and get paid for it. Those are the two things that we're choosing between every day. And to be fair, I've never had the option of a sure thing. So that sounds fantastic. And I would love that. (laughs) But but the hard thing is, is like when you just ignoring that sure thing, you know, I I mentioned this a million times. Sorry, I talk about it so much, but I used to be an engineer and I made like a good living. I was in Silicon Valley and all that stuff. And it took me like four years. I knew right in the beginning I wanted to move to Hollywood, like make movies. But it took me like four years to quit my job and be like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go not make any money and work for free and try to struggle to make it because it's like more of my dream. Actually, I like being an engineer too. And so it's like, it's that thing that's just so hard. It's just, and and I was always jealous of like Dustin Hoffman or something who like, he barely graduated high school. He slept on his friend's couch. He had nothing he could do except for be this great actor, you know? Yeah. And it's when you have these other skills, like you've, you know, Eric, I've known for years, he's always been like, I'm never editing another movie. And he has... (laughs) Number one comedy in the box office. He edited. Well, it's a, yeah, it's it's that's it's that sure thing. But the thing, you know, it's funny. You're like, you know, I'm jealous of you guys. You have these these sure things. The funny thing about the sure things, though, are that like it's not like they take any less out of you, right? right. You know, yeah. so it's, it's like it's more you're you're fighting other people in the casting room who are like <laughs> we're contradicting you. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, so like these things which are like the the kind of like the easy things to say yes to or whatever you know like they take just as much out of you and they kind of leave you just as 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 drained you know and so it's sort of like yeah it puts you in a weird in a way it puts you in a worse position to sort of go and make the great movie that you have inside you i like i would argue the infrastructure is already built so you don't have to build something from scratch yeah and you do get a little i worry about getting a little lazy you know what I mean? Yeah. Like like knowing that, oh, a casting director is going to send me a link later and I'm going to just, I could look at 10 and that would be okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, also, I also think, speaking of what you said, like I was at College Humor for a while and I might have said this on my episode, but I always said I wanted to get let go because then someone is pushing me into the mm-hmm, world sure. rather yeah. than having to jump myself. And it was terrifying. And then I finally did it and it's been fine. It's been great, you know, knock on wood. But it is, I think, easier when you're not doing what you want to do to spend the time, all those other hours doing that. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you're doing exactly what you want to do and it's not quite there, it's a little bit harder because you're putting all of yourself into that, you know, that during that day. And then when you get home, it's like, you're still thinking about what you've been thinking about all day. You can't just turn that off and then go to this other project. It's so it very sounds hard. like you have to leave, right? You have to say no to a project. And yeah. You have to. Yeah. You have to say no to 
Just say, say I'm booked no. out for the next two <laughs> months. I'm sorry. So is this like a moment where we all, you'll make a pact and I oversee this pact and you'll become like. I'll say yes to everything. That's the problem. Yeah. No, I will. I will. Yeah. And loves the yes man. Yeah. I do. I say yes to it. Eric did finish his feature, so we'll give him a year off. (laughs) A year off to to make it. And you wrote the second one or the, I don't know. Yeah. No, that's what I mean. He finished the feature script. Yeah. Yeah. And actually you, I mean, Eric is a great example. He made this short film. He had all, he, you know, very good agency knew everyone in town did all this amazing work but then it as wasn't until you made as an editor yeah it wasn't until you made your short which you had to kind of go out on a limb to make on yeah. your own that you got kind of recognized by you started getting a lot of phone calls to direct stuff yeah no no totally look the other thing is that we're you know we are all sort of talking about like like if someone called any of us up and was like you know we want you to direct the next sure. you know x movie or something you know something like marvel or something like that you yeah, know studio we'd say, film we'd say yeah so, so it's sort of like this kind of like do you carve out time to make your passion project that you're going to put on your credit card you know or do you like there's a range i guess is what right. i'm saying okay. you know i mean to me i want to make studio films that's like my mm-hmm. end goal i'd love to make a marvel movie so to me obviously it's like what can i work i can't wait until you do that and then you go, I never want to do that again. Oh, yeah. Totally. I, feel, I, I mean, I hope well, that doesn't yeah, happen. Yeah, I, I, hope, I hope that you do it and you, you love it and continue <laughs> to do it. But I feel like anyone who I've talked to who has done a studio feature or is in currently doing one has always been like, it's, a, it's the worst. And I just want to go back to doing indies. Like Inyaritu hates his job, I'm sure. <laughs> in comedy, I think it's a little different just because I know, well, I, I mean, I know a number of studio comedy directors who, who love it. Mm. But... Also, just because like the the indie comedy is such a different thing from the studio, it's like a different genre. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, yeah. and I sort of feel like if you if you're the kind of person who likes to tell a certain kind of joke, your only option is like the studio. Yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> you, know, right. you can't make spy without a studio. Being right, there. exactly. Yeah, totally yeah. Know. no, that's a hundred percent true. I think we also were really talking about there's your studio directors, like your name directors, and then there's like you know the movies that are getting released in February. You know what I mean? And I right, think right. we're all kind of dreaming of something somewhere in between there. I think. Yeah. I mean, you I know? guess you look at like Ryan Coogler or Gareth Edwards. <laughs> yeah. You would, lo- you you would look, love to like make Ryan Coogler Creed. made Creed is perfect. Creed, yeah. yeah. It exists because he wanted to make it. Right. And I don't know if Gareth Edwards pitched remaking Godzilla or whatever, but, you know, it felt very much that it came from the director. And Colin Trevorrow has like a long history with Jurassic Park. And Josh Trank, well... <laughs> can't talk about him anymore um but anyway no i haven't talked about casting this much and to hear you know everyone here have similar issues or, or or like insecurities or things like that it's just like reassuring to go okay i'm not awful i'm not the worst like i am doing things kind of right and it's you know we're all facing the same thing so it's, the, it's the good podcast is this. half instructional and half support group yeah, 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 yeah basically yeah, yeah. 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 So, well, thanks, guys. We can't wait to have all of you back on. But for now, we have to go. So we are going to jump into unpaid endorsements. Yeah, I've got an unpaid endorsement. It's another podcast, you guys. Mm. It's called I Was There Too. Do you guys know this podcast? No. It's wonderful. So it's basically a podcast where... The host will have someone on who was a secondary character or maybe an extra or an an additional part of the films that we all love. So my favorite example is Paul Rust is in Inglorious Bastards. I love that movie. He's one of the bastards. He's there all the time. And it's just him telling stories about how awesome it is to be in a (laughs) Quentin Tarantino movie. But yeah, so that's the podcast. It's called I Was There Too. Check it out. Cool. I feel like a broken record because I keep endorsing these same people, but I just think they're doing like the most interesting filmmaking 
the educational filmmaking stuff in the world right now, and especially on YouTube. And it's like Freddie W and his whole clan, you know, they have sure. this channel, Rocket Jump, and they have a show, Rocket Jump the Show on Hulu. Hulu, yeah. You can watch a few episodes for free, even if you don't have Hulu, or you can sign up for like a free trial membership. I actually only saw one whole episode. I've seen all the shorts they made, but it's basically, they set out to make eight of the best YouTube short films ever, and each episode is about how they make it. And actually watching the first episode, I saw Freddie and Matt Arnold and like kind of their whole team, the producer, DP, everyone sit around a table and get super excited about all their ideas of how to shoot it and what they're going to shoot. And it just looked so fun. And that's why I basically left my commercial job and took this other job directing this impossible sci-fi comedy because it was with like 10 people that are all super excited about their work. And I just, it just gave me that joy just watching people do it. And it's also super educational, especially kind of at our level, you know, working kind of in interesting budget levels and how people accomplish things on film. So Rocket Jump, the show, it's on Hulu. I don't know. I really enjoyed it. So yeah, check it out. You go. Okay. Uh, well, jumping <laughs> off that, there's a nice segue. I volunteered only twice, but I'm going to say I'm a volunteer at the Echo Park Film Center, mm-hmm. if you guys know about mm-hmm. that. And the second night that I volunteered, they had an open screen event where like students bring in their shorts and then like, so this 16 millimeter documentary short class screened their films and um, they were horrible. Like they were so (laughs) bad, but it was so exciting because you could see like the raw like talent, not even the raw talent of the filmmakers, but like, like just moments that you wouldn't necessarily find in other films. And then the excitement on the faces of the kids. So my unpaid endorsement is to go see young filmmakers work and remind yourself why, why you're doing this and what excited you. I'm actually just going to recommend the podcast that I talked about earlier. Uh, it's the uh, Slate Political Gab Fest. And it's actually a very well known. It's not like I'm like unearthing a hidden gem here. But I feel like a lot of people who listen to this maybe don't care about politics because a lot of people don't care about politics. And I don't know, uh, especially people in the movie industry seem to not care too much about politics, except generally just being vaguely liberal. But, uh, you know, it is 2016. It's a presidential election. Every week, these three incredibly smart people, John Dickerson, who actually hosts Face the Nation, Emily Bazelon, who's a writer for The New York Times, and David Plotz, who used to be the editor-in-chief of Slate, basically just talk about politics and they, they talk about it as if it's sort of like they're talking about sports. It's really fun and interesting. And they talk about, you know, it has a sort of liberal slant to it, but it makes politics exciting and interesting and approachable in a way that I think everyone should be into. So uh, check it out. The Slate Political Gap Fest. It's a weekly podcast that comes out on Fridays. Cool. Uh, mine will be um, a TV show called Man Seeking Woman, which I love, created by Simon Rich, who I've read his books. He used to write SNL. His books are incredible. I really dig his TV show because it's basically his little short stories, but in visual form. And they're all very interesting, both from a filmmaking standpoint and a comedy standpoint. And if you don't have FX or FXX or whatever it is, my second endorsement is the friend that has DirecTV or Time Warner or any of those that you could use their login. Mm -hmm. Because almost every TV network now has their own like... HBO Go. Yeah, yeah. FX Now. FX right? Now. Yeah. And I watch that all the time because I use my buddy's password. And that's <laughs> nice. how I watch almost all the TV I watch. And I'm sure I'll get arrested in about 20 minutes. <laughs> um, yeah. But while that's Assuming still that. an option until they figure that out, take advantage of it and find a friend who uh, who you could sucker into using their login. 
Yeah. Yeah. I use my dad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I use my wife's. <laughs> we will. Yeah, I'll check that out. I'm kind of looking for a new show to watch. You got one, Eric? Eric? I do. Is it yeah. yeah. So we got yeah. Eric Kripow or Kripo. First, you have to clear it up for us. How do you say clear your last it. name? It's Kripo. Kripo. Ah, damn. Uh-huh. Guys decided, you guys time. have decided on Kripow, apparently. So yeah. That could be well, okay. I, I think we're going we're to go with Kripow either way. Though. <laughs> it's um, kind of fun. Yeah, right? Wow. He edits our podcast. We found him through the podcast, which is crazy. I didn't know that really happens. And yeah, and he's here helping us out. So endorse something, Eric. It's another one of the podcasts that I think probably a lot of people on here listen to, but I really like it. It's called The Q&A with Jeff Goldsmith. And it's just this guy who interviews writers from indie movies, from studio movies, any kind of movie. And like it's not the regular press junket type interview. He's really good at asking legitimately interesting questions about like process and about like one of the questions he asks all the writers is, do you guys go for a page count every day or do you try to go for a number of hours? You're just like, how, how, what is it like to write the movies that you write? And he just gets a lot of really interesting and candid answers out of people. And it's, it's really inspiring almost every week. So yeah, yeah. that guy is like a screenwriting guru, genius type guy. I saw him interview Tarantino and he had read like every single script he'd ever like touched and would ask him such specific questions. That's crazy. He also does a we might have talked about it before, but he does like a screening program that anyone can sign up for free. Oh, yeah. And those are the podcasts. And you can just sign up for the mailing list and you get to go to all these free screenings with, with Q&As with where, the filmmakers. Where are the screenings? They're usually at the Los Angeles Film School in Hollywood. So oh, it's cool. pretty accessible. Yeah. And yeah. But you have to listen to the Q&A after the movie, even if you didn't like it. So only go to a movie. <laughs> you think How you do you like. feel about that? <laughs> I've had a couple. <laughs> I've brought my wife with me to a couple of them and she's fallen asleep. <laughs> um, anyway. Cool. Well, real quick, guys, thank you so much for joining us for the first yeah. episode of the new year. Going around in the circle, where can we find you? Eric. Still still working on, on that. <laughs> All right. Uh, your New Year's resolution is to get on Twitter, right? Exactly. LizManishall.com, breadandbuttermovie.com. You can email me at lizmanishallgmail.com. No one ever does. I keep on giving it out. <laughs> I'm about to give up my phone number. Um, and you can look up Bread and Butter. It's on VOD right now on iTunes, Amazon, Xbox, Google Play, everything. It's going to be if you're flying to Jordan. Whoa. Bread and Butter will be on your plane. Nice. Oh, thank God. Cool. That's pretty awesome. I wonder. Yeah. What the crossover <laughs> of people flying to Jordan and just shoot it listeners are. I hope uh, large, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's um, it Royal be... Jordanian Air is going to be playing bread and butter. Oh, That's wow. awesome. What, what? Uh, you can find me at erickissack.com. You could find me at mattdirects.com and my social media handle on everything is mattdirects. Very easy first name and what I do. Directs with a C. I also, yeah. <laughs> I also used to have, or I still do have Matt Edits because I used to edit as well. So I have Matt Edits and Matt Directs. Cool. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. You can follow me at Mr. Matt Enlow. And me at Smitey Pileg. And you can follow the show at Just Shoot It Pod. Visit us at JustShootItPod.com for show notes and all of our endorsements. Our music was by Steve Combs and Eric Cripo edited this episode. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Hey, just to get a brief aside... I think that Matt and Matt and I have very similar sounding voices. We do. So do we? I guess so. Pretty of, similar. Yeah. Pretty similar. Yeah. So Oren and and Liz will be the only people that people can understand. Yeah. Just talking. Yeah, cool. By the way, Fine. either Matt or Eric said that. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.